0: everybody else and enjoy what they've brought as well. And uh, everybody pitches in, everybody eats. Is that that how that's going to go? Okay. So many years ago in uh, North Carolina, there was a church there that enjoyed potluck suppers from time to time. And their custom was this. Their custom was that after the meal, instead of Leaving leftovers at the church, everybody could help themselves to the remaining food and take some of it home with them. So, one of the ladies in the church had a platter about this big that she brought to the potluck supper. This is how she brought her food, and what she took, she she got one tomato, and she cut it up in very very thin thin slices, and she put the slices all around so that they filled the platter. And she took that to the potluck supper and went home with a pile of food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I don't know if the, I, I don't know if I gave you instruction now. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But hopefully, you get a, somewhat of an idea that maybe you should do a little better than that. <laughs> We're looking forward to that. We do potluck suppers once a month. At home, we have a Monday night Bible study, and uh, everybody comes, that comes, and we share the food. It's awfully good, and then we divide up, and the ladies have a study, and the men have a study, and like that. So it's a good time of fellowship. It's a good time of Bible study. So I'm really looking forward to being here with you on Wednesday evening for that as well. Really looking forward to that. We have certainly enjoyed our time so far with you. And really and truly, this is the first time you've ever had a meeting, I understand, that has extended past Sunday into the week. And this is also the time, I think, of holiday. Is that right? And to see so many of you here on Monday night, that's a great thing. What a great testimony. I pray honestly, and we have been praying, that you're not disappointed at all for coming to be in fellowship, to to come and be able to sing together a little bit and come to hear some preaching tonight, hopefully that will be uh, more instruction and 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 further help to you in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ let's have a word of prayer and then we'll continue on I'll tell you what the subject of our a message will be tonight and then after that we'll begin to open the scripture and go through several passages where hopefully the Lord will give you some some guidance some help yeah so we res- we, ref- we refer to these two as S and T. It's, it's not that we're having so much trouble with Stannis Law. We're not, but we're having a little bit of trouble with this one. Yeah. So so S, why don't you pray for us tonight? <laughs> Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 Yeah. It's nice to be able to extend the celebration of your anniversary to this as well. Have you ever heard the expression, have you ever heard the expression, your talk talks and your walk talks? You heard that? Yeah. What's the remainder? What's the rest of it? You walkie-talkie. <laughs> That's pretty good, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Your talk talks, your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Okay. Let's say all that together real quickly, right? now. <laughs> your talk talks, and your walk talks, and your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Well, you can work on that a little bit. Yeah. The idea is that you can profess something to somebody that you know, uh, that you believe, but if the way you live your life does not match what you say, they look at you as a hypocrite. Right. And so it's very important to us that, that we not only can talk a good line, but we can walk a good line. Sure. And so the question is then, if that's the case, if, if it's important to the Lord, that we walk a certain way, a Christian walk, a spiritual walk, then it seems to me that it makes sense we should go into the Bible and see if the Bible gives us specific instruction as to what that walk should be. And you're going to find tonight, as we go through the scripture, in a few places, that the Bible gives you very specific instruction in exactly how we as Christians should walk. Now each time that we turn to a passage of Scripture, and I'm going to give you one in just a moment, then I want you to read that, and as you're reading it, this is going to be a little bit like a treasure hunt. I want you to see if you can find for yourself what is in the passage of Scripture that we're reading that tells you how you should walk. In other words, pay careful attention to it and see if it's revealed to you. Uh, that the instruction that that particular verse of Scripture gives about how you should walk. You ready to do that? Okay. It's going to be like finding a little bit of a treasure. And the first place we're going to look is in the third epistle of John, the third epistle of John in verse 4. The third epistle of John, so the one right before Jude, the one then before Revelation. Third epistle of John, Verse 4. And John is saying to his well-beloved Gaius in verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Did you find it? What is it? Walk in truth. Okay, so there's a very, spe- that's very clear, very specific instruction. As a matter of fact, on Saturday when I was ask- answering questions, by the way, those were great questions and I enjoyed that time with you. Uh, we, we talked about the joy of the ministry. One of the great encouragements in the ministry is to see that when we've been feeding and feeding and instructing and instructing, that over time you see Christians walking in the very truth that they have learned. So it's evident then, according to this scripture, first of all, that we should walk in truth. Walk in truth. Walk in truth. So this then describes how we are to walk in relation to the Bible. In other words, each of these things we're going to see will teach us how to walk in relation to something. This is how we should walk in relation to the Bible. You're told that you should read your Bible, and many of you do read your Bible. Well, then you should walk according to the truth that you have read your your life should begin to be an example of the things that you're reading in the scripture jesus christ was praying to his father and he said sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth so so this is how we walk in relation to the bible and it's very important that that we we do this as a matter of fact uh, in verse three of the same epistle John wrote, "I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth." So it was evident to those who were with Gaius that this man walks in the truth. Was it just a testimony? They could see it. They could see it. I, uh, some of you may have heard of an American pastor named Lester Roloff. Heard of that name? He was well known when he was alive for taking people who had gotten messed up with drugs and alcohol, pregnancy and other things into his ministry and then giving them instruction on how to turn away from sin and live for the Lord. And a lot of lives were restored because of his ministry. That place where he pastored is about 12 minutes from where I pastor. And so, uh, the administrator and pastor of that uh, brother, Cameron Wiley, contacted us. And for ten years, I would go over there every week, and I would preach and teach to the men in the city of Refuge, and to the ladies in the Jubilee. Those were the names of the homes. And I would routinely ask newcomers to the to the ministry, "How many of you let dust gather on your Bible?" before you ended up here. And in every case, that was part of the problem. A contributor to the problem is that they had closed this book. They attended services, but they were not getting enough of this book, and this book was not causing them to walk a certain way. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. So it should, if it's getting in you, it's not just going to affect your mind where you have more knowledge. It's going to affect the way you walk. Your life is going to change. We should know then not to walk in things like emotion. When you sense that your emotions are carrying you a certain way. But the truth is guiding you another way. You walk in truth. Not in, not, in, not in the way that you feel. But you know there are a lot of people whose lives are governed more by how they feel than by what God said. They're emotional people. And more and more these days people are emotional and guided by their emotions. I noticed in my own life when COVID began. Of course I was checking the news because we were all curious. What is this and what effect is it having on people's lives in society but I noticed in within two weeks I told the people in our church I'm not going to watch that news anymore and I didn't and the reason is I could tell whether it was conservative news or liberal news it was designed to do one of two things either make you mad or make you scared and I didn't need to live that way because and that because that will that will govern how you're going to walk. So cut that off and get in the book. Don't walk in emotion. Don't walk in opinion. I think everybody here, if asked certain questions, might have an opinion to share. And our opinions wouldn't all be the same. But walking in your own opinion is not going to help you to walk the way Christ wants you to walk. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We read that in Psalm 1. And there's uh, people in the university. There are people in... You know, in life uh, that are ungodly and they have counsel about the way that you should uh, handle your life. I tell you, be very careful with that. Sometimes, unfortunately, we have to be careful about people who testify to be Christians in a certain profession hoping that you would do business with them. Be careful. Be careful. Sometimes they use that to entice you to do business with them, but. But their counsel is going to be ungodly counsel. Walk in the counsel of the godly, not the ungodly. Be careful about walking in the counsel of man's wisdom. I noticed a lot of times that we will go to the internet to find out uh, more information about something we may be considering. You might be better to search through the scripture and see if God has anything to say about it first. And if God has something to say about that, that you're curious, then walk in God's way. One of the things that I do in Corpus Christi that I started, I don't know, more than 10 years ago, or I would say, yeah, more than 10 years ago, uh, I started doing premarital instruction, premarital instruction. And that is if a couple would come to me and want me to do their wedding then I would say, okay, first of all, we're going to go through premarital instruction. You're going to understand. And my mantra is this, some people will spend six months planning a wedding that lasts one day. Why not spend six months planning a a marriage and commit to make it last a lifetime? Right? And you know what we've learned in premarital instruction is the Bible has a biblical pattern for your marriage. In many things, your budget, your responsibilities, your strengths and weaknesses, your communication, your preparation, many, uh, your, the rearing of your children. The Bible has much instruction on that that people don't often consider. I give them all this instruction. I said, Now walk in that. When our son in law and daughter got married, he came to me about six months later in tears and said, Everything that you said we would encounter, we've encountered. But then with a big smile on his face, he said, however, we knew what to do about it. (laughs) That's an excellent thing. That's an excellent thing. Now, I was was doing premarital instruction with a young couple. Her family is not saved. They said to her, you and your fiancé need to live together. That's what they said. And you need to live together because that way you'll understand whether or not you're suitable for each other in marriage. So, in one instruction, she asked me, "Should we live together?" I didn't fall out of my chair. Oh my gosh! What are you talking about? Know. <laughs> How dare you? You know, <laughs> I knew she didn't know, right? I said, No, I said, uh, I said, no. I said, you follow this biblical pattern. And you will be prepared for life together. You don't have to live together to be prepared for life together. More people who live together for a period of time break up. That's not the way you do this. And so, you know what she said? She smiled and she said, okay, I'll go back and tell my family. I'm not going to do that. You know what she's doing? She's walking in truth. Walk in truth. Job 28, 28 says, Uh, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. The Lord will show you in the Scripture how to depart from evil. And as you follow Him, He gives you understanding. Walk in, help me, truth. Turn to 1 John 1, 7. You're nearby. 1 John 1, 7. Here's another one. Okay, now you have to really pay attention to this because it's sort of nestled in the verse you see if you can see what it says about how we should walk. If, but if we walk, 1 John 1 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So, nestled in there, is some instruction on how you ought to walk. Did you see it? What did it say? Walk in the light. Walk in the truth, walk in the light. All right, so walking in the light, this is how to walk in relation, not so much to the Bible, but how to walk in relation to Jesus Christ. The testimony of Jesus Christ that John gave us in his epistle is, this is the true light. Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world. All right, so, so now we're going to walk in The light. And if we do we have fellowship one with another. Look back here with me at verse 3, same chapter. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This that is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you. What are the next three words? God is light. And in Him is how much darkness? No darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. So so this is for us, then we are to walk in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's light, he's light. So I can ima- So the world is darkness. The world is darkness. So I can, I can rather imagine that you are on a path, and around you is darkness, but you have a flashlight or a lantern, and you shine that light. Well, we certainly know the word provides light. It's a light unto my feet, right? Lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. But Jesus Christ is light. It's like your. It's like your in light in this place, and as long as you are walking with Him, then you have the light you need around you to guide you to enjoy fellowship with Him. But you know what I've noticed? As pastors, we have a lot of individual fellowship with people, a lot of contact with people. And I've noticed something about many Christians today. They have become comfortable They've become comfortable walking in darkness. So, where we're staying, we have a nice place to stay, and we're very thankful to you for the accommodation. All right, so, but at night, uh, I, uh, in the kitchen area where we are, I'm reading the Bible or whatever, and then I turn off the light. Immediately, everything is pitch dark in there. But after about 30 seconds, my eyes have adjusted their. There's a light outside, just a little bit of that light filters through, and then there are, uh, there are several plugs on an extension cord, and the, it's a surge protector, and there's a little light on the surge protector. I can see my way around that place with just that little bit of light. But that's not really light, it's darkness. But my eyes have become adjusted to the darkness. There are many Christians whose eyes have become accustomed to the darkness. And they are navigating through life without the bright light of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you at any time in your life, this probably won't pertain to the younger ones. I'll give you your own illustration. How many of you ever went to a matinee movie in a movie theater in the afternoon. How many? Do you ever do that? I do that. And so you're watching the movie and you're in that, that uh, theater and it, then you walk outside, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, ah, immediately that bright is so, it's so bright. It's like, oh. You don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> so I'll give you your illustration. You're in bed at 2 o'clock in the morning and your father comes in and turns the light on.
1: Ah!
0: A lot of Christians are walking in darkness, and the, the, and the light of Jesus Christ is actually irritating to them. It's annoying to them. It's abhorrent to them. It's too bright. You may wonder why sometimes people go to churches where there's not good doctrine. There's a lot of darkness and lights and, 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 and loud music that looks a, a lot more like a concert than it does a church. You know, they've become comfortable with the darkness. And you have to stay in that light because if you don't stay in that light regularly and your eyes become adjusted to the darkness, the next time you see the light, it's like, I don't like that. The pastor's in here preaching and, and you're you're been living in the darkness, but you're here in your seat. And all of a sudden he comes in with something strong from Jesus Christ and and you're, you're not receiving it, you're abhorrent. You should never go walking where Jesus Christ is not welcome. If you're walking somewhere Jesus Christ is not welcome, then you should not be welcome because you are walking in the light. Okay? It's not very difficult. Walk in truth. Walk in the light. Correct. There's another one, Galatians five sixteen. You know, people have told me they've probably told you. I don't know about that Bible. It's a little hard to understand. We haven't had too much trouble finding the first two points of the message, have we? Right. They've kind of laying there on the surface, right? Galatians chapter five verse sixteen. Galatians five sixteen. This I say then? Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Hmm. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I've had people come to me and say, preacher, how do I get over this sin? I said, walk in the flesh. No, walk in the Spirit. In other words, in other words, there are times when people are having trouble with the sin and their, their fight, their direction is to fighting the sin, attention to the sin, crying out about the sin. And what he said is just walk in the spirit. There, there's more to dealing with sin, but this is the, this is the positive approach. Don't, don't keep magnifying the sin by giving all of your attention to it. Walk in the spirit. Because you see, the Bible says in the next verse, the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. So you cannot do the things that you would. They're contrary. They're contrary. That means that the flesh is going in this direction, the Spirit is going in this direction, a- a- and they're contrary. So, so if, you're, if you're trying to follow the Spirit, but you are walking in the flesh, you're going the wrong way on a one-way street. Right? I went to visit a fellow that was 75 years old, and he had wrecked his motorcycle. He he was driving out in the country. And in Texas we have, you may have that here as well, barbed wire fences, right? And when he wrecked, he went under, and he went through that fence. Yeah, so he was a little bit messed up. And I went about to see him, and so I saw him there, and I said, how are you doing? He said, he said I, I, uh, I feel like a man that, that was traveling the wrong way on a one-way street. <laughs> the policeman pulled me over, he said, and said, man, do you know where you're going? I said, yeah, I know exactly where I'm going, but it's obvious that I'm late because everybody else is already leaving. <laughs> He said, man, didn't you see the arrows? He said, shoot, I didn't even see the Indians. <laughs> you know. I'm going to tell you something. You will n- you'll n- you're going to have trouble with the flesh as long as you're walking in the direction of the flesh. You have to walk in the spirit. That's how you- and that's not hard to do because I say not hard to do. As many as are led... By the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He's there to lead you. Now I'm going to show you something about the Spirit of God that may, may help you to understand His leadership. I'd ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to be a part of my illustration now. Okay? So you need to stand up here and I'll show you how this goes. Okay. All right. When the Holy Spirit leads in your life, one of His characteristics you know, and the fruit of Spirit is gentleness. Gentleness. Right? And the wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, right? Gentle, easy to be treated. So his leadership in your life is gentle. Right. Right? So, he's, so he's just say, S. Yes. Come, come, come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Come on. So you've got to be paying attention because I'm not talking very loud, right? And I'm just going, it's just gentle. So is this hard? Mm-hmm. No, this is not tough. Okay, watch out. There's a drop off there. We're going to go this way. Okay. So like that, but some people are saying, you know, bless God, I want God to really come down hard on me if I'm not living right with God, and they're expecting the Holy Spirit to be, hey, come on, you better get back in your seat, you're you to get over here, you cruddy, what do you call yourself a Christian? What kind of, you're ashamed of the name? Get right with God. That's not the spirit of God. but a lot of Christians are waiting for the Spirit of God to come in and beat you up he's not beating you up and you think well everything's alright it's not alright because he doesn't do like that he's gentle (laughs) (laughs) boom (laughs) yeah been down that road once not going to do that again Walk in spirit. It's quiet. The devil doesn't have to make you bad. He just has to make you busy. Too busy to sense the gentle leadership of the Spirit of God. Slow down. Look for his leadership. He's there. You're a son of God. He wants to lead you. Okay? All right. Romans 6 4. Romans 6 4. I know these are really tough, man. We're really having to dig hard to get these out of here. Bible so hard to understand, I don't even know how, right? Okay, and you're going to have to really look at this one. Help me out here, Romans 6, 4, let's see if we can find it. Therefore, Romans 6, 4, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk In newness of life. Dig around in there. See if you can see how it is we're supposed to walk. Oh, we're to walk how? In newness of life. All right, so to walk in truth is how we walk in relation to the Bible, right? To, To walk in the light is how we walk in relation to Jesus Christ. To walk in the Spirit, obviously, is how we walk in relationship to the Spirit of God. And to walk in newness of life is how we walk in relation to ourselves. I mean, after all, we live in these bodies, right? And, and, so, and so we have this constant presence of the flesh everywhere we go. And the question then is, if this flesh is here and it's contrary to the Spirit, then what do, what do we do? What do we do with this flesh? The positive approach is walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The negative approach is to crucify the flesh. Romans 6, 4 says at the end, we also should walk in newness of life. Verse 5, if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that what? Our old man is crucified with him so doctrinally your flesh is crucified with Christ and Paul said it this way in Galatians two twenty. I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me and the life that I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me so what I have to do According to Ephesians chapter 4, we've never been there before. (laughs) I was talking to Boyce last night. He said, I'm going to call you the Ephesians 4 preacher. (laughs) Well, here we are again. Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible tells us, 22, 23, 24, right there. Put off the old man. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man. When you got saved, God gave you something. When you got saved, God gave you something. And you have it now. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You have it right now. You don't have to wait, thank God, to die before you begin to enjoy all that you have in eternal life. You have it right now. It's your gift. It's the newness of life. So let's say you're 30 years old when you get saved. And then you get saved and you wake up in the morning. You now have newness of life, but you have less than 24 hours of experience living the new life and 30 years of experience living the old life. How are you going to make that old guy shut up? Let him die. Let him die. Let him die. Just tell him, shut up. You can't have it. You're dead. And you start letting, right, that new man walk in newness. Everything is new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. But you still got to put on the new man and put off the old man. Take, he said, take up your cross daily and follow me. Get on that cross. We sing about the old rugged cross. I love that song. But the thing I really love about it is I'm not thinking about 2,000 years ago. I'm thinking about right now. Because it's the place where when I'm there, Christ can live his life in me. And Christ living his life in us. We have a song in the hymn book about that. Oh, that's, that's where the victory is. That's where the joy is. We, uh, we, we heard, we heard I, think, I think you heard this, <clears throat> when, when we were younger from a preacher, we heard this. You remember in the old day, sorry, remember? <laughs> <clears throat> I, I kind of reveal my age in some of these illustrations. I don't mean to do that. But you'll, you'll catch up. Remember the old day how there used to be a wake and you stayed with the body of the dead person before the, before the funeral. Remember that? Okay. All right, so, so these characters decided they were going to play a, a joke on one of their friends. And what they did is they faked the death of one of their friends, and then he was in the casket at the funeral home, and they said to the guy, you have to be there tonight to watch the body. Well, the plan was the other friends would stand behind the curtain, and when the bell rang midnight, the, the guy in the casket would come up and go, boo, and scare the guy that was watching him. Okay. Yeah. So you can imagine it's dark, it's dark in there. Well, well, this guy that w- they were playing the trick on was a cobbler. Do you know what a cobbler is? A cobbler was a shoe repairman. That was the name of a shoe repairman. And a cobbler had a cobbler bench, which was portable and so it had portable tools. And so he just decided, as long as I'm going to be there all night, I'll just take shoes and I'll take my bench and my tools and I'll just work. So he set it up. So, so here's the man laying in the casket. And he set up his bench next to that man like this. And he's got his shoes and he's got his t- and he's over there tap, 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 tap like that. Sure enough, bing, 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 bing. And these guys are beginning to giggle. It's getting ready to be so funny. And when that last bell rang like that, this guy came up, boo, like that. That guy didn't miss a beat. He went. BAM! <laughs> You're dead, stay dead. <laughs> and <went right> by. <laughs> you know what you do when your flesh rises up, boom, you're dead, you stay dead, you're crucified, shut up, you don't get it, we're walking in the newness of life, I may not have a lot of experience with this, but I'm learning, so just shut up and stay out of the way, we're going, we're going a new way, right, right, so walk in newness of life, you say, I don't know how, well, with truth, with light, with spirit, as you see, he's teaching you and you walk in that newness. This is a different thing than what we used to do. I'm not going to do it the old way. Amen. Amen. There's now an eternal way of doing things. Ephesians 5.2, we need to see it, but we won't take much time with it. Because I spent some time with it last night. Ephesians 5.2. Ephesians 5.2 one for the context. How about that? We're in the book of Ephesians and we're not in chapter (laughs) 4. We graduated. Be therefore followers of God, verse 1 says, as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling Savior. Savior. You're going to have to really study that one. Can you see in there how you're to walk? How's that? Walk in love. Walk in love. Now, we spent some time on this yesterday. So we're not going to, we're not going to belabor this point. But, but each of these has something to do with the relation to something else. So this is how we walk in relation to other Christians. Walk in love. And like I said, we spent a good deal of time on that last night, but even though I threw you in your chair, charity covered the multitude of sins, you can still love me. I love you. I don't know why you wouldn't want to love me. <laughs> okay? We'll go to the next point, because we've, we've talked about this one. Colossians, the next book, uh, you know, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, so two epistles over, chapter 4, verse 5, chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5. One more time, you have to, you have to come into this with maybe Greek manuscripts. You're really going to have to dig hard here, see if you can find this. <laughs> I'm telling you, the Bible's hard to understand. It really is. Yeah. Walk how? In wisdom. The rest of it says, toward them that are without redeeming the time. All right, Walk in wisdom t- toward them that are without. So this is how we walk in relation to the lost. We walk in love, and that's in our relationship to each other. We walk in wisdom toward them that are without. How we walk in relationship to the lost world. is this amazing these things the Bible has given us really cover so many elements of our life, right? Somebody says, well how should I walk Toward my employer, or to my neighbors, or to my lost friends, or my family. Walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. Uh, uh, He says in verse 6 Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Let me tell you one thing that is common about every lost person that all of us in this room know. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. Whatever else it is they've got trouble with, they need Jesus. And we must have the wisdom to deal with them about that matter, that they need Jesus. We need to talk to them about their soul and and Christ's provision for them at Calvary. They need Jesus. And we have Jesus. Now, you know, a lot of times when, when we talk about this subject here, walk in wisdom toward the lost, immediately there is a, uh, something that wells up in the heart of people. Sometimes it's excitement because you have some experience with this and you love the opportunity to tell people about Jesus Christ. But sometimes what comes up inside of you is fear. Right? If what comes up inside of you is uncertainty I don't know what to say let me help you with something you know more than they do even if you don't know much you know more than they do when it comes to Jesus Christ you say but what in what in in what respect you know Jesus you know Jesus You, you could honestly say to them I don't know much to say but I'm going to tell you one thing you need Jesus You'd have Jesus, your life would be better. You could say that. You need, I'll tell you something else you have. You have a testimony. Let me ask you a question. Has Jesus done something for you in your life? Has Jesus done something for you in your life? Hey, look at here. Amen. Good to see you. I'm glad you're here. Yeah? Done something. Has Jesus done something for you? Thank God he's not the one that throws you in the chair. <laughs> huh? Has Jesus done something for you? I could go around the room, right? I'll tell you something. He's done something for me. I'm a very different man today than I was. And I must say, my wife must say, <laughs> he's a whole lot better husband than he used to be. Yeah. And he's still getting better. I have a testimony. I can tell somebody that doesn't know Jesus about something that Jesus has done in my life. And you know, sometimes your testimony touches people in a special way because they didn't realize that with Jesus Christ, it's about a relationship. It's not about a religion. There's a real, there's something going on between us. And once, once you're not afraid to open your mouth and say something, God, as you talk with people, gives you more and more wisdom about how to deal with the questions people raise who don't know Jesus Christ. He that winneth souls is wise. I want to tell you something. When I, when I first got going for the Lord, I told you about that yesterday. When I first got going for the Lord, I was so scared to witness I, I would not dare walk up to somebody who didn't know Jesus and say a word about him. Because I, I was a, a afraid they would ridicule me or they might ask me a question I couldn't answer. and I literally was scared to death. So you know what I would do? I will tell you a few things that I would do. I would go into the men's room at, in, in the you know, restroom. And I would roll out the paper a little bit. And I would stick a track in there and roll it up. <laughs> Imagine their surprise. Whoa, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> we, we had a Catholic church two, two blocks from our house and they played bingo on Tuesday night and I would get a bunch of tracks and as soon as I knew everybody was paying attention to their bingo card I would run out there and I would put tracks in their windshield wipers in the dark and then I would run back to my house because <laughs> I didn't want anybody to see me doing that I wanted them to know Jesus but I was scared to tell them I was a bank president, and so we had three other bankers in town that were president of their banks. And I wanted them to know what I knew, because I think you sort of win the people that are like you. But I was scared. I didn't want to walk in their offices and tell them. So what I would do is I would get envelopes, and then I would put a tract in there, seal the envelope, put their name on the tract, personal and confidential. And I would go to the night Depository and stick it in there and shut the door. But you know what happened when I went off to Bible college after I got out of the banking business? I got a telephone call from somebody and they said, do do you know what happened to Henry Medina? Henry Medina was the president of one of the banks. You know what happened to Henry Medina? I said, no, what happened? He came under such conviction about his soul, he went to the pastor of the Baptist church and said, I need to be saved. And he led him to the Lord. And I'm telling you, this past Sunday while I was here, he was in First Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, going to church, and that happened over 30 years ago. Bob Fairchild was the president of another bank. Bob Fairchild went to the same pastor a few months later and said, I don't know why it is, but I'm so concerned about my soul. I, 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 how do I go to heaven? And the pastor led him to Jesus Christ. I, I couldn't do much, but the little I did helped some other people. Come. That was wisdom for me. Well, I've been doing this a little bit longer. And now we've had the opportunity sometimes, like we did today at lunch. We're sitting down having a conversation about some stuff. We're trying to learn more and more truth from the Bible. And there was a young man sitting next to us that wanted to know a little bit more about the Bible. He decided to come to church tonight. He's here with us. Yeah, and we're really glad you're here. Yeah, we're really glad you're here. You know what? Because he wanted to know a little bit more about this thing concerning Jesus Christ. And you know, what's happened today is We didn't run and hide. I didn't stick it in an envelope and leave it on his table. (laughs) As you walk in wisdom, God gives you more wisdom toward them that are without. Because they need Jesus. Just like we have. You see, it's not complicated. It's right there in the Bible for you. It's not hard to understand. Just do it. Just walk that way. And you'll be very happy that you did. Amen? Amen? Father, we're thankful tonight for a chance to look in the Scripture and get some instruction to help us. We really pray that you will help us not only to, to know what we've seen here tonight, but to be faithful to follow what we've learned. We ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Let's all stand, if you would. <clears throat> Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a few moments pianist will play something softly. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want you to have a moment to let this sink in tonight. Some of the most profound truths we talked to, Brother Welder mentioned it yesterday, are the, are the simple truths. There was nothing difficult about what we saw at all of us we were able to understand the question is what will you do with what you've heard Enoch had this testimony that he walked with God That, that should be the testimony you're aiming Lord, I want to get to the end of my life, look back, and and see that I've walked with you. Walk in truth, walk in light, walk in love, walk in wisdom, walk in the Spirit. When Jesus Christ came, he came to die for our sins. He came to fulfill the prophecies about him from the Old Testament. He, he did so many things, but one very practical thing that he did, he was showing us how to walk with God. before we close I'm not going to keep you long I'd love for you folks to have a chance to fellowship and I know you need to get home and get ready for work tomorrow and get some sleep I understand we got one more night of preaching really looking forward to it but before we close can I just offer this as an invitation to you if you have never entered into a permanent relationship with Jesus Christ if you've never received Him as your Savior That's where the walk starts. It it starts with you saying, Lord, I'm not just taking a free pass so that I don't go to hell and go to heaven. Lord, I want to walk with you. I want that relationship. So, I'll close in prayer. But if the Lord has impressed it upon your heart that you need to settle that matter tonight. Please, It would be a great honor if you'd find me afterwards. Say, Pastor, can you just help me? Perhaps you have a question or two about it. It would be an honor to show you how to be saved and know it. And perhaps you're already saved. I want you to walk out feeling that gentle tug of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you this evening. You've spoken to our hearts once again. Lord, you've given us something we we need to to not only know, but something we can apply right away. Lord, tonight we can go about doing these things. And and Lord, it's a walk. It's not a once-off event or occasion day by day. We want to apply it. Help us, Father. Give us grace, please, to apply it. And perhaps, Lord, if somebody's here and not born again, might this be the night. Lord God, we would, we, would, we would rejoice. Heaven would rejoice. Father, thank you for this time in your house. We do pray you get us home safely and bring us back tomorrow ready, Lord, with those ears to hear. Father, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.